It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. I'm Anthony Robertson, and here with me is the horse, Alex Horse. What's up, horsey? What's going on, everybody? Excited for another great podcast. Hope everyone's having a good day. Alex Asenia, how's it going, Alex? It's going uh, It's going well, man. Let's, uh, let's get into this one. This one's going to be juicy. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be glorious. We're going to be talking about Jamal Adams a little bit to start the podcast off. So, guys, why... Didn't the 49ers trade for Jamal Adams? Let me ask you guys this. If I would have told you that the 49ers got Jamal Adams, but they traded Jaquiski Tart, a 2021 first-round pick, a 2021 third-round pick, a 2022 first-round pick, would you have been okay with that, Horst? Uh, in the words of my esteemed colleague, Mr. Sasania, that's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> I, that is way too much to give up for Jamal Adams. I think Seattle's only doing it because they know they're on their last leg with this group, and they uh, this is about their last shot to win a title before they have to blow it all up. And it's a desperate attempt to keep up with the 49ers. I still don't think it's enough, but I would have been pretty mad if they'd have traded t- Tart two f- and two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. That's way too much. Jamal Adams is a great player, don't get me wrong, but in the scheme, both teams run for a strong safety that is just way too much. Yeah, I. That's nuts. I mean, we had when we had talked about the potentiality of, of getting him, it was looking like Tart in a first, and you maybe you have to throw in one other thing, two firsts, a third, and your start another starting safety is insane. That's so much there. That's that's not just a current guy that fits not only fits in your system but plays well in your system. It's a guy who fits well in your system and plays well in your system. And two years of your future on top of that. Not to mention the fact that you only got him locked up for two years. And he's going to want around that $20 million number is what he's looking at and asking for. And there's no guarantee that if you're not willing to offer him that or can offer him that, that he's going to stick around. So, like Horst said, this looks like a chips all in move and you're, you're betting on yourself here in the next two years. And if it works out great, you got maybe a Super Bowl or two out of it. But if you don't, uh, yeah, you're in full rebuild mode, and you came up short of the goal that you wanted to. That's highly risky. Given this whole COVID situation and what's going on, if they're even going to have the cap space in the next couple of years to even sign a guy like him to the contract that he wants, and that you're going to get what you're paying for out of him. Um, you're asking him to plug a lot of holes there, and they still got holes that they, they're going to need to address other than just bringing him in. He can't solve all of their issues. He's not going to be the, the only guy that can – Slow down the run or cover every receiver in space for them. Ballsy. Ballsy is the right word. I think this is short-sighted. I think this is the difference between the great teams and the, the teams that kind of hit and miss is the short-sighted decisions. You would never see New England Patriots make a deal like this, and I don't think you're going to see the regime of the 49ers make deals like this. This is just too much to give up. That's too much capital give up. 
I mean, if you really look at it, two first-round picks, yeah, it, it, it's going to be more of a crapshoot in the next couple of years with the draft, not knowing what's going to happen with college football and all of that stuff. But still, it's it's the value of two first-round picks is a lot. And Jamal Adams is a good player. He was a sixth uh, overall pick. And, yeah, he's played great. He was an all-pro last year for the first time, and he's he's good, but he's not worth this haul. I don't I'm not sure. I mean, this is the kind of deal you expect to hear from like Aaron Donald, right? If Aaron Donald got traded, this would be kind of the haul you would expect. I just I can't believe that they paid this much. This was way out of the realm of possibilities of the of what I thought they were going to pay. So, uh Alex, can Jamal Adams slow down George Kittle or the 49ers run game? The 49ers run game? No. No way. They don't I mean I mean they're their best, their best defensive weapon on that D line, the guy that we struggled with the most, isn't even currently on their roster and hasn't signed with anybody. In Clowney, uh, he was the guy who caused a lot of problems last year for us on that end. He's not there. Adams is not Jadavian Clowney. He's not going to be causing the same amount of problems. And whoever ends up being there, if it's not Clowney, how are you going to? I don't see how he's going to be the guy who blows up the run game. The George Kittle aspect of it you know Jamal Adams did a great job in coverage you know what Jamal Adams wasn't going up against twice a year wasn't going up against George Kittle he wasn't going up against top two or three line uh, tight ends in the league that's not what he was facing he wasn't facing guys like that that quality and that caliber will he maybe will he get a couple over on Kittle he's a talented player he might he might get a couple snaps where he roughs Kittle up gets him off of his route got him locked down he's got to figure it out but Shanahan's a schemer He's going to find a weakness. He's going to find somewhere that he can exploit you, and he's going to exploit you. And he doesn't have to do a whole lot with a, with a weapon like Kittle to have him put him in a situation where he, he's going to have your number off the snap, off the jump. Um, like you said, short-sighted, it, just, it seems like they're going all in on a guy that they think is going to be a, a complete and total game changer, but I don't know how he can change everything. He's not going to be able to completely shut down one guy in Kittle. We haven't seen anybody be able to do that, slow him down in any way, shape, or form over these first few years he's been in the league. Um, and one guy is not going to be the difference. A safety is not going to be the difference in us being able to run the football well, poorly, or great. Like He, he may have a couple of great plays where maybe we can't get off to the start we want as quickly as we want to, but we're going to get what we want to get. He's not going to be able to prevent us from doing that. Yeah, um... My answer to can Jamal Adams slow down Kittle or the 49ers run game is he can't do both. I mean, if you focus him on Kittle, it's going to leave you struggling in the run game. And if you focus him on the run game, it's going to leave him struggling in the pass game. Jamal Adams is definitely not enough to make the difference right there. Um, And the scary thing for other teams is that, say we are worried that Jamal Adams is going to be a threat in the pass game. George Kittle does not mind it if the 49ers run the ball 45 times and he only gets five or six targets throughout a game. He's been clear about that in the past, that he's a team guy. Was that the, what game was that where he came off the field and said we should just run it every play the whole game? Minnesota, I think? Yeah. yeah playoffs, yeah. George, <laughs> you're, I, I know he's a tight end, but how many top caliber receiving threats have you ever heard make that comment in a game? I guarantee you Travis Kelsey has never made that comment during a game. And that's what's scary with this 
is George is they can change it and George Kittle won't get offended. And I don't think their receivers will either. And I don't think Jamal Adams is a good enough player to do. I don't think he can slow down Kittle anyways. But even if he can slow him down in the pass game, he's not going to slow down the run game. So he he's not enough. I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens uh, with this because, you know, they play a cover three shell. I mean, that's really what they do. They have the high safety. So are they going to use him in that, the Earl Thomas, former Earl Thomas role, or are they going to play him in the box more the Cam Chancellor role? And I think that even if they do a mixture of both, he's not going to be able to completely stop the run game or George Kittle. So the first thing you want to look at is the fact that are they going to put him one-on-one with George Kittle the whole game? That's not what they do, right? And plus, all the people that are making the arguments that Jamal Adams is the big difference between you know, being able to stop George Kittle and, and Seattle having the leg up are the same people that made the arguments and have been making the arguments that George Kittle's the number one receiver in the league, and he should be paid as such. And he's the number one blocker, and he should be paid as such. So if he's the number one receiver and a number one blocker, then he should be able to beat an all-pro safety in coverage because a receiver will smoke an all-pro safety if he's covering him in the slot. So if I'm to believe that George Kittle is that type of player, then he can handle Jamal Adams. I've seen him handle safeties. I think that, yeah, Jamal Adams can add aspects to the Seahawks secondary and he can play well. But I don't think that Kyle Shanahan is ultimately going to be too worried about Jamal Adams because Shanahan uses formations, personnels, and motions that make it hard for you to take one player out of the game. I mean, he can move um, Kittle all around and put a lot of pressure on Jamal Adams in playing different ways. Plus, they can't stop the run because the the interior defensive line for the Seahawks is, is pretty good at stopping inside runs. But on the outside zone play, they give up 4.9 yards a carry. So if Jamal Adams is is supposed to be your answer for Jadavion Clowney for helping stop the outside, there's one problem with that is now there's Trent Williams as well. So you can scheme Jamal Adams, and if he makes a mistake, he's not running down Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman. They're gone. So if Adams is playing in the box to stop the run, then how is he covering in the in the secondary? So you have an all-pro player, yes. You add some good play from the safety position. But, I mean, this isn't the Legion of Boom, and anyone that is trying to say that all of a sudden they're the Legion of Boom is just hoping that that's what it is. So, yeah, I don't think that this move changes Kittle or the 49ers run game. I think it just makes it a little bit more difficult. That's all. So that means question for you, Horst, is would you rather have the 49ers defensive line or the Seahawks secondary? Well, I think, first of all, in the question of would you ha- rather have a great defensive line or a great secondary in general, I would answer great defensive line because a great defensive line can cover up holes in your secondary. A great secondary cannot cover up holes up front. Second of all, I don't think the Seahawks secondary is in the realm of the Niners' defensive line yet. With We're bringing out Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, Quandre Diggs, and Jamal Adams. That does not strike Legion of Boom here in me. That's a solid grouping. It's not dominant. And I don't, they don't scare me. The Niners' defensive line is scary. It's still much more dominant than that group of defensive backs is. And like I said earlier, 
a great pass rush can cure a lot of woes on your defense. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the whole emphasis for Shanahan. Like the, his entire system and philosophical belief for Kyle is the fact that, you know, uh, he had talked about it in that interview essentially that a guy like Chakwisky Tart is uh, a great, he's a good secondary player. He fits in our scheme really well. He does all the things we need to do. But at the end of the day, if our D line is elite and the best in the league, we don't need Jaquiski to be anything else other than a good to great player. Like that's all he needs to be. If he's those things and our D line is elite, then it's fine. We don't need that elite guy. We don't need to overpay for that elite guy. That's the thought process behind there. So for me, that's the way he's building the team. I, I view that as the thing that's the most important. I think it's it's proven to work. We went from, you know, bottom of the league and everything statistically defense the last few years before he got there to one of the best defenses in the league. Sacks increased. Turnovers increased. Our young guys are playing like, you know, four or five-year veterans. Guys who look like we're going to be first-round busts are having the best years of their career. Once Kyle gets there, implements the system, saw us calling the D, everything is flowing and functioning and working the way it's supposed to, and, and not just as it's supposed to, at a high elite level. And that is, that is because the D-line is one of the best, if not the best, D-line in football. Um, Horse said it beautifully. Secondaries can have holes if your D-line is, is able to put pressure. That's just, we've seen it time and time again with this group and this core. And we've had years in San Francisco where we've had a really solid secondary and could not get pressure on the quarterback, and it just didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how good those guys were back there. We couldn't make the quarterback sweat for five seconds. And they would tear us up and chew us, spit us out, like all day long, all game long. So, yeah, D line significantly more more important. I would much rather have our D line than their secondary. Yeah, it's 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 really important when you're looking at these guys run the same scheme, right? Seattle and San Francisco run the same scheme, and we always look back at the Legion of Boom and like, oh man, they were so great. Part of the reason they were so great was the pass rush that they had all those years, Michael Bennett and those guys really would cause problems for opposing teams. I mean, we saw it with the 49ers. That's why Kaepernick was always running, because they were putting pressure on him. And so, yeah, I would I would much rather have the defensive line because it just it helps your secondary. It, it, it masks any issues or blunders and that kind of thing. I mean, if you look at all the big-time plays that happen, it's usually from breakdown and coverage from time. Um, you know, the, the pass rush just makes secondary's job so much easier. And... It's hard for somebody to cover a player for four to five seconds. I don't care if they're an elite guy. I don't care if it's Jalen Ramsey. If you give a quarterback and a receiver four or five seconds or more, they have a better chance to make a play. So I think that, you know, when you're looking at a defensive line just means so much more. If you get that pressure on the quarterback, the quarterback's uncomfortable, he can make mistakes. And when he's able to sit back there and just look, He's not going to make as many mistakes. Yeah, he, he might struggle to find someone to get open, but giving a quarterback time, they're always going to figure it out. You, you can always find some way to get some guy open or a, you know, a coordinator can scheme a way to get someone open. So it's definitely a defensive line. I think it's always going to be the defensive line. It's always going to be the front. No matter what people want to believe, how this league is going, the fronts always are the most important thing. And the 49ers have built that way, and we saw that. That, Like you said, Alex, before they had this pass rush, they were struggling everywhere. They get the pass rush, and all of a sudden they're one of the top defenses in the league. I think that's the evidence that's needed. But it's a different philosophy than Seattle. Pete Carroll definitely values secondary over everything else, 
which Bill Belichick kind of does the same sort of thing, except he does have edge pass rushers here and there. So, Alex, are the 49ers making NFC teams make desperate decisions? Yeah, 100%. I mean, this this reeks of desperation, the move that the Seahawks made. Um, somewhat, some might even argue that the Rams overpaid for a, their left tackle who has had one of his worst careers in Andrew Whitworth this, this past season. Um, you know, they, they gave him a nice three-year extension, $30 million across those next the next three years. I get that it's pretty team-friendly this year, only $6.67 million in cap space. But he had his, his worst year, and he's not, he's not a drastically young guy. He's been around in the league for a bit, and he's been solid tackle for, for a long time in the league. But he had a, a pretty noticeable decline this year in his performance. And they're overpaying him a little bit just to kind of shore up their own line aspect there. The Cardinals go out and make the big deal for a huge offensive weapon in um, DeAndre Hopkins and gave up a guy in David Johnson and didn't really give up much. I was actually pretty impressed with the deal. I felt like they, they got out of that. It's kind of scot-free, not having to give up a first-round pick. But they're making moves to bring weapons in around Kyler Murray and try and make their offense more prolific. And it would make sense for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury to want to have a team that can put up a lot of points and you know play at a high tempo and a high speed. Um, it, it just feels like every team in the league is trying to do things to either, A, counteract what the Niners are doing offensively um, or eliminate some sort of facet of their game offensively by bringing in defensive guys or, B, on the offensive end, bringing in weapons to make things harder for our defense to, to get the job done at the level that they got it done. Um, some teams are going to take big risks to do that. Some are going to try and play it safe. Um, but it's obvious that the rest of the NFC West is just trying to stay afloat at this point with with what Shanahan and Lynch have been able to put together with this with this team. Um, to piggyback off what Alex said, I don't think the Cardinals' moves are in desperation. I think the Cardinals are actually making good, solid moves. They're an up and coming team. I still don't think as a team they're ready to compete with the big boys yet, but they are making good moves. Um, at least as you said, that fit the coaching style and stuff. Now, the Rams, yes, signing Whitworth, overpaying him. They overpaid to get Jalen Ramsey. Yes, Jalen Ramsey is a great player, but they gave up two first-round picks for him. Now you have Seattle giving up two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. You can't tell me that these teams aren't in desperation mode to keep up with the Niners because both those teams are falling age-wise, salary cap-wise. The Niners are on the ascent, and – uh, to a lesser degree, the Cardinals are on the ascent. And I think these two teams are trying to hold on to what's left of their window and before they know they'll have to blow it up and rebuild both teams. And I think the Rams are really in it for how much they paid Jared Goff. I'd, that was a mistake. And they're going to pay for that for years because Jared Goff is not good enough to get paid that much money. And look how many good players they've had to get rid of to keep paying him. And then they're really going to get upset when Todd Gurley goes off in Atlanta this year. And they find out that it was because of the offensive line and not him. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that even, like he said, it seems like the Saints going out and getting Emmanuel Sanders, um, the Bears going and getting Foles, the Vikings, because Kirk Cousins was so dominant in that playoff game that they extended him. That was really smart. And just everywhere you look, you see teams trying to keep up with them. Um, in the AFC, it's kind of the same with the Chiefs, but we're talking more about the NFC right now. And I think it's pretty obvious teams are making desperation moves to stay up with the Niners. 
Yeah, this is an arms race, and the Rams and Seahawks specifically are making crazy moves to try to, you know, get the upper hand on the 49ers because I think they're worried that the 49ers are going to be great for years, and they think that they need to take shots to have, like, a one- or two-year chance, you know, to win. I think the Rams actually made that, you know, move last year for Ramsey, and I think that was a huge mistake. I think that they thought it was going to give them a chance at the playoffs and ultimately one last run, you know, for a few years. But I think they have to completely tear it down. They don't even have the money to sign Jalen Ramsey now. So, I mean, making that move, you have to sign him. So they got to figure out where they're going to free up money eventually. But Jamal Adams to Seattle, I mean, this all has to do with Pete Carroll being at the end of his run and Russell Wilson accounting for so much money moving forward against the salary cap. Next year, he's going to account for over 18% of the Seahawks' salary cap, and that's going to be probably impossible for them to overcome until the salary cap starts going up. So that'll be the end of the Seahawks. So this is the all-in moment. I, I kind of expect the arms race to continue. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't make a move for Jadavion Clowney now. They have the money, and I think that they're not worried about next year. I think everything has to do with this year. The 49ers are just making people think different. They're making them panic, making them go for desperate moves, and some people like that. Some people are about like, well, you should take every chance you can to win this championship because you never know when your window is going to close. I would argue that you want to keep the window open as long as possible because it really one or two things go your way and you can win a championship, and that's what separates you know, a team having the possibility of winning two, three, and five years and a team winning one every you know, 10 to 20 years is your mindset. And I think that, um, you know, Pete Carroll's getting to the end, so he's making some very rash decisions. I do like what Arizona has done. I think that they're they're building for the future. I, I don't I think they want to win this year, but they're not expecting to make, you know, a championship run this year. And, you know, they've they made the Hopkins trade and then they drafted Isaiah Simmons, which is a definite go stop George Kittle move, you know, just like the Seahawks did with Jamal Adams and I mean, Jalen Ramsey can't stop George Kittle. I, I really don't understand what the huge point of getting a corner was for the Rams as far as stopping the other teams. I mean, what's he going to do? Cover DK Metcalf? Okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it didn't really make sense that that was the key spot. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of a weird thing for them to do overall. So, I mean, yeah, I think that it's, it's getting to the point now where these guys are all making uh, their moves. And with this Jamal Adams trade, Horst, have the Seahawks closed the gap on the 49ers? Are they now the favorites to win the West? See, this is what I think is funny about the Seahawks being in this desperation mode they've clearly put themselves in is people keep referring to that close of the gap. Have they closed the gap? Yes, on paper, the Niners are much more talented than them at several positions. But when they played last year, the first game was decided on the Niners missing a field goal. And the second game was literally one yard. Jacob Hollister getting tackled by Dre Greenlaw. So I don't know where this huge gap was on the field. So then do you think that the Seahawks are better? No, I don't. I actually think some of the moves they've made have made them worse. I think, especially if they don't bring back Clowney, if they don't bring back Jadavion Clowney, the Niners are going to run all over them. People really don't account for a fact of how good he is against the run for a pass rusher. He's more of an all-around DN than a pass rusher, and he gave the Niners problems. So if they don't bring Clowney back, they're in trouble as far as facing San Francisco. 
I think the Niners are the better team than them, and I think those games should have been blowouts last year, both of them. But Russell Wilson pulled his couple magic plays. The Niners made a couple mistakes. If you go back and look at Russell Wilson's stats in those games, he didn't do very much. He would just make his one play that would get him back in the game, or the Niners would make their one mistake that would keep them in the game. Or they'd happen together, and Seattle would somehow win because the Niners' kicker decided to kick the ball at the... I don't know what he was <laughs> kicking it at. I think that ball would have been foul in baseball. The, that kick was... So we should, have, we should have had a re-kick then. He was bending it like Beckham. <laughs> bending it like Beckham. <laughs> well, to be honest, both games they had double-digit leads at halftime and let them slip away. The Niners are the better team than them, but I don't know why everyone, why Seattle's so scared because they played them really tough last year. And, but the Seahawks seem to be the ones that are putting it out there that there is this gap between them by the moves they're making. Because, like I said, watching the games, there wasn't much of a gap. But the Seahawks, the desperation moves they're making is clearly showing that they, they feel there is a huge gap between them talent-wise. And that could be a situation, too, where the coaching staff's looking back at everything that happened. Carroll's looking back at the game and going, you know, I don't think in the future those one that one mistake that San Francisco's making that's keeping us in the game is going to occur going on in the future. And he, he's banking on the team to continue improving and therefore feels that they have to make some sort of move in order to keep them relevant. That could be what's going on. Because um, like you said, Horace, I do believe that they're on paper a much better team, and I feel that they should have performed drastically better than they did in those two games against Seattle. But uh, the big thing is is – I don't think they closed the gap. Uh, like like you had said, I think the letting go of Genevieve and Clowney was a big deal. Um, and while they may have moved closer um, in, in terms of, I guess, closing the gap, and I throw up the air quotes in that for this season, the gap for the next two to three to five years has widened. This move with Jamal Adams giving up two firsts, a third, and a guy who fit into your system that, while right now, Salary cap wise, he freed up four million by by him leaving and by them trading him away. Um, in the future, that four million right now is great, but it's not gonna it's not gonna be available for them in the future because of what Jamal Adams is gonna command and what he's gonna ask for. Um, and so, uh, short term, maybe you moved the needle a smidge closer. Maybe I don't think you did because you still don't have Clowney on the roster now. If they resign Clowney, then yeah, I think the needle's a little bit closer. I still don't think they're the odds-on favor. I don't think they're better than San Francisco. Um, but they definitely have not moved the needle closer for the future. The The needle is it's widened. The gap is big. When you're really talking about the gap, I think there was actually a huge gap last year. And I think that certain circumstances made these games closer than they should have been. Um, first off, George Kittle didn't play in the first game against the Seahawks in Levi's. And I think that if George Kittle would have played that, the way that that game was going early on, I think that game would have been a blowout or at least they would have won the game. And I think the second one is playing the Seahawks in Seattle. No matter what, it's been pretty much impossible to defeat Seattle there over recent years. And I think that those two games could have, you know, I mean, just the fact that they won it, I think shows that they were a better football team. And I think they could have won bigger. Yeah, there's there's definitely certain things that, you know, they can improve on and stuff like that. But I, I think that, the um the Seahawks see that there's a big difference. And I think the Seahawks also were worried that Jamal Adams might end up in San Francisco. And so they had to make that move 
because if he ends up in San Francisco, then the 49ers are definitely the favorites to uh, win the win the NFC and and probably the Super Bowl. Um, but I think that the the gap is there. I think there is a gap between them, a huge gap between the Rams and a huge gap between Arizona. And I think San Francisco really all they had to do was stay as good as they were last year to have that gap. And I think that they've actually gotten a little bit better. Like you said, if they signed Jadavion Clowney, we might want to, you know, you, then yeah, they've definitely moved the gap. I think they've moved a peg up with the Jamal Adams. I just don't think they've they've done enough because I think that the the 49ers also were missing basically every receiver last year. So it's going to make a big difference when you have a full arsenal of guys. So it brings the question up, Alex, do the 49ers need to make some moves now to regain the upper hand? No. No moves need to be made. Um, you know, uh, Lynch had talked about, and Shanahan, but they both of them had talked about um, how you need to you need to make some moves at certain points in time to stay relevant and, and to keep yourself progressing and evolving and making sure that you're staying on top of everything. What's happening right now, though, is the inverse. Everyone else is trying to adapt last minute and evolve last minute. They've already created their team identities and are now trying to fit things to stay relevant with us, now is not the time to make a rash decision and be like, you know what, we need to pull the trigger on something to establish and assert ourselves. No, no, you've already established, you've already asserted yourselves. People are reacting based on the things that you've built and the things that you've done. Now is not the time to start changing the formula. Now is the time to stick to what you've been doing, continue to make the decisions that you've been making, and just let it play out the way that you've envisioned it and planned it. Like now, now is not the time to do anything drastic or change anything. Um, you know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel right now. They've already made whatever alterations to the wheel that they've made, and it's been working wonderfully. Just keep on tinkering. Keep on doing the things that you've been doing. There's no reason to do anything rash right now. Just head down, grind, work, get to where you need to get to. And if we can do that, do that, follow the plan that's been set in place, and just keep continuing down the road we're on, we're going to end up right back in another Super Bowl and a, and a chance for a sixth title. If you're talking as far as maybe picking up a veteran pass rusher like we talked about or a Jordan Reed or a Delaney Walker or maybe a receiver until D- because we're a little worried about Debo's health and availability. Yeah, I'm absolutely all for one of those moves. If we're talking a drastic franchise-altering trade first-round picks type of move, absolutely not. Niners don't need to make that move. But I would, I would be for them maybe picking up a veteran or something. I know they have a little bit of money left where they could do that. There's a couple spots where they could use a veteran, like a, like receiver especially, and I wouldn't be upset with that. But as far as any game-changing type moves, I don't think they need one. I think it's all going to come down to who gets cut too. You know, these other teams are going to make cuts and things are going to change because of you know these new rules. So who's going to be available? And if somebody comes available that maybe you weren't expecting, yeah, maybe you have to make a move. I, I do think that they need to uh, address the tight end position. I still I like Ross Dwelly, but when it gets past Ross Dwelly, I want to know what they think of you know the rookie. And um, yeah, I don't really think Helm is the guy to be the third guy. You know, I really don't think that. So now with the new rules, can we stash the rookie on the the practice squad? He was a six-round pick. He might be a perfect kind of guy to stash there, not allow anyone to really sign him. I mean, nobody's going to come after him for offensive pass-catching reasons. The only reason that you want him on the team is for his great blocking. 
You know, I mean, when you catch nine passes in your senior season, it's not really impressive. Um, I do think he's a better pass catcher than that, and I think that he'll be better. But I think adding another tight end like Jordan Reed or Delaney Walker is is what they need to do, make it more formidable, and also cause issues for Jamal Adams. Okay, you want to take away George Kittle? All right, then we'll take our Jordan Reed matchup, and you can have fun with that. Or here, Jamal Adams, uh, pick between George Kittle and Jarek McKinnon out here on the edge. Which one are you going to cover? Because it's there's matchup issues, and I'm I'm definitely interested to see how it works out. I don't think they need to do a whole lot. I think they already have the upper hand. But, hey, why not? I, I, I definitely think once we get into training camp, that's when we're going to see a, a move happen. $12 million, I think they want most of that in case they need to make a move at the trade deadline or even roll over a lot of that to next year so the salary cap – when it drops, they don't have to worry about losing a whole lot of players. They still have 16 guys to sign next year if they want to bring back the same roster. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do if they decide to go all in and spend that $12 million or if they just sit back and let it roll over. Well, how about he's? they've got McKinnon and Kittle out there. Here comes Jalen Hurd. Right. I mean, they've got a ton of options to go out there and throw at him. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kyle Shanahan talked about this on the on the recent podcast with Chris Sims, where he talked about having five guys, basically having thirty different you know plays, but by personnel settings and stuff, you know, you can run the same play but run it at three by one or two by two, and you know, really change the way it looks, plus the way he motions and stuff. All these interchangeable players are going to make it so hard for defenses, and that's why I mean, a lot of value goes into the type of receivers that he gets. Because they can do so much, they can run, you know, screen passes. They can run deep routes. They can run crossers. They can go in motion and reverses. There's just a lot they can do. So I mean, it's he's building the offense kind of the way he wanted, and and it makes it hard, especially with like you know people like uh, Belichick. He said he likes to count and he likes to double team guys. So when they get to that game with the Patriots, are and Belichick, is he going to decide, okay, let's double-team George Kittle? Let's take George Kittle out of the game. That'll be interesting to see what he decides. If it's George Kittle to take out of the game, is it Debo Samuel? By then, who knows? It could be Jalen Hurd. It just really don't know. Or could it be Jet? Could be Jet. I hope it's Jet. I I really hope it's anybody at this point. I mean, I just hope that we're worried about every player. What I if it's Jeff Wilson? It could be Jeff Wilson. Why not? Big-time bonus if it's Jeff Wilson. I mean, if you look at the 49ers offense, every year since Shanahan's been there, right, there's been a different leading rusher. What would make us think that it wouldn't be somebody else this year? Yeah, I think think that... Or Kyle Juszczyk. You think Kyle Juszczyk is going to lead the (laughs) 49ers in rushing? No, but he's another weapon you can throw the ball to. Oh, definitely another weapon. True. And a lot of times an unsung hero. They don't talk about him enough. No. Don't get me started. I know Debo Samuel ain't worried about. Uh, <laughs> he ain't worried about it at all. Man. He ain't worried about ain't no Jamal Adams. No man. No. No man. Uh, yeah, this is about to be fun. Adding him to the rivalry just amps up everything for this season. Oh, um, speaking of the another reason, I just thought of this: why Seattle might not have the upper hand if they don't have fans. Are they even going to be good playing at home? <laughs> there's a ch- there's a chance. The mystique of of that playing in Seattle there is is all built on the fans the noise disruption not being able to get your signals out not being able to make changes effectively and efficiently at the line if those fans aren't there how dominant are they at home 
is Fox just going to bust in like the loudest amount of noise you could possibly hear well, with the, the av- virtual fans? The average decibel was this, so we got to give them at least this much noise. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. I really am not looking forward to the digital fans though on Fox games. It's not no. It looks bad. That looks really bad. It's weird. It's going to be a no for me. That's a no for me, dog. I, I'd rather just have no fans and no noise. And I want to hear the, the grunts and, the, and the, the contact noises as they hit each other. The guttural grunts. But, yeah, I think, I think it is going to be interesting to see how good Seattle is without fans because that's been their advantage over the years. And a lot of teams have started going up there and playing better. And it might be a real issue for them moving forward. Who knows? Maybe that's a reason they needed Jamal Adams. Maybe they're worried about, you know, possibly not winning ten games but winning eight because they don't have that home field advantage. Don't have that advantage, you know. Never know. Could be that. Could only be. only one way to find out. Tune in. <laughs> Tune into season, everybody. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun season. All right, chalk another one up, guys. Good show. Tune into the next 49ers Cutback Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Anchor, Google Pods, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to click that follow button so you don't miss a single episode. And you can always follow us on Twitter at 49ers Cutback. We'll be back again with another episode. Until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers way.